Hey, Minute fans, MHB here. Just wanted to tell you a little bit about the podcast ahead of time. In this podcast, we're talking with John Featherston of formerly All Politics is Local. We also talk about some hot button issues like transgender rights. Throughout this podcast, I think we attempted to speak about these things in a respectful and fair way. And we'd appreciate if you did the same in any discussions online. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the show. This is a Menafan Show special presentation. Welcome to a super fan roundtable on the week's events in the world of Kirk Menahan. This is the Menafan Show. Welcome to All Politics is Local in Massachusetts. Now, here's your hosts, John Featherston and Terry Hendricks. So a lot of you started your Sunday morning for a lot of mornings, and that show's not on anymore, and we're going to find out a little bit why and, and get a little bit of the background story. So our special guest today is John Featherston, and as normal, we have Mark Hannon's balls. Gentlemen, how you doing? Hey, how's it going, guys? Happy to have you here again. Happy to be talking to you again, John. Long time no talk. It's been too long, but it's quite an honor to be with you guys, and you guys are doing great work, so keep it up, and I'm glad to be part of it. John, how did you get hooked up with such a lunatic like Mark Hannon's balls? <laughs> <laughs> My luck, I guess, yeah. I mean, it's been a pleasure to work with Mark Hannon's balls on the, you know, this, this whole situation. If you're not paying attention to every detail, doesn't make any sense. Now, I think if you pay attention to every detail, it makes a lot of sense, but... Uh, Mark Cannon's balls has been the leader on this. He's been right 100% of the time. And, uh, you know, the work that he puts into fact-checking everything is, uh, you know, I wish every uh, media or journalistic uh, person out there would be as fact-checking as much as he does. So it's been a pleasure to work with him. Yeah, I, I remember, I think, I don't know exactly how it happened. I think that, oh, you know what it was? When, when you first reached out to Kirk on Twitter about the whole activist situation, I saw it somehow, um, and I think I reached out to you at that point, uh, and I because I think that you you sent him a message or something along the lines uh, to Kirk. It was it was you just tweeted at him saying that you'd been dealing with him for you know the situation for you know years, and there was more to the story. Um, I think you know, the, that might be how initially. The funny thing is, is it was Zarbrano who reached out to me originally. You know, really? Yeah, it wow. was Zarbrano. Yeah, how the we tables could, have turned. Yeah. I know so. I know what I've heard on the show. I know uh, the other John knows a lot more than what I do. So I feel like I'm a really interested party because I'm going to learn a lot today. Um, John from Pennsylvania has told me, "Yeah, I kind of know all this stuff." So he's going to play along. But man, we got some questions here, and I'm I'm looking forward to learning about this stuff. This is this is really exciting. This is cool yeah. Stuff. I I think that if we can start this off by safely, the the first question probably would be. Um, the fact that you, is it true that the rumors that you were on a scrubbed enough about me episode? That is, it is a hundred percent true. I went into EEI on a Monday afternoon over the summer and I met with Zarbano in his office for a while. Uh, Kirk and Jerry were finishing up their program and just after 10 o'clock, uh, Kirk came in and took me down to the, uh, studios. Ken Laird actually walked down with me and, uh, we talked about the, uh, activists for quite some time and, mm. uh, had a nice little conversation about that, and then Kirk and I did probably a twenty-minute podcast. Yes, yes. 
Yes, and you know, it, if someone may or may not have heard the podcast, there's probably some really good information on that. Hope that hopefully we will uh, will try and recreate. Uh, Drunk Eric Curtis, sorry to, sorry to steal your thunder. I'll let you start and set the stage yeah. for us since you're the uh, you're the you're P one chair right here. <laughs> right, John. I just had some questions just to kind of establish who you are because a lot of people will look. Hey, this guy's on the radio. He must be loaded. He must be a multimillionaire. And that's not always the case, and it's not always what people's primary jobs are. So I'm just kind of curious, with the radio show you did on WCRN, tell me a little bit about the background that led you there. I'm just an old radio guy. I grew up in uh, the Midwest in Ohio, uh, had the pleasure of, uh, you know, I'm probably a lot older than you guys. Uh, I grew up uh, working at a radio station called WLW. I had the pleasure of working. uh, I started off in the radio business as an intern for Bob Trumpy, of all people. Yeah, that's and, a heritage. I, I know the call letters. That's a heritage station. Yeah, it's 50,000 watts. It was the most powerful station in the country for quite some time. I worked for Jim Scott on the morning show. So I've always dabbled in radio a little bit. Um, when I moved to New York, I worked uh, a little bit at the fan as an intern as well. Uh, so I've always just kind of dabbled in radio, but, uh, you know, a family to feed, and my background is more in finance. So radio has always been a hobby for me, but uh, I've been a longtime elected po- uh, political figure as well, too. And, uh, you know, proud to tell you that I'm a proud Republican as well and, uh, you know, got on the radio kind of just to kind of poke at the one-party system in Massachusetts. And even though we were on the weekends, we were very successful, and uh, a lot of people paid attention, especially the other side, paid attention to what we were doing. So uh, we had a good run for it. A a lot of people paid attention, especially towards the end, but we'll get more into that. How long were you doing all politics as local? Was this always on WCRN? Uh, w, yeah, we, a little over four years we were on WCRM with All Politics is Local. I had two, I had the pleasure of working with two different gentlemen. Terry Hendricks, who you played the intro with, I did that for about two years with him. And then John Kerwin, uh, I did about six months with, and I did a couple, uh, about a year and a half by myself as well. What was the purpose of the show? You're, you're talking a political show, but it sounded like there were some different issues. What was your take towards politics, be it national, state, local? Everything comes back to the local level. You know, I've often said, you know, when we did the program that the most important elections are not your elections for president or your U.S. senator. It's who you elect to your school committee, your board of selectmen, your city council. They can affect your life so much more. I've been a longtime uh, selectman and board of health uh, chairman in my towns. And, uh, you know, if you're if you put the wrong people on your boards of, uh, you know, your school committees or your boards of uh, selectmen, you're going to affect your family much more than Donald Trump or Barack mm-hmm. Obama is ever going to affect your family. Yeah, I found in those cases, too, it's you could have a good Democrat at the local level. You could have a bad Republican or vice versa. It's almost like you got to get to know them like a neighbor. That's been my experience here where I live. So, you know, all politics is local. Everything comes back to the local level. So we tried to talk about all of the issues, how, they, you know, a national issue would affect a local issue, or more importantly, how a local issue would impact a, uh, a uh, national issue. For instance, we just uh, took up vaping and juuling in my town, and, uh, you know, it's becoming an epidemic right now. And it's unpopular decisions, but, uh, you know, we've, been ma- we've made a few of them. Didn't you guys um, ban? Didn't you guys ban? Um, you banned like uh, menthol, I think, or something like that. Starting in January of next year, January of 2020, there'll be a ban on menthol, mint, and wintergreen uh, juuling and vaping products. Yes. Mm. 
I mean, good for you guys to take the first step, I guess. I mean, it's not in my experience. I mean, as a, somebody who was a former smoker, it's sometimes it is that those hard decisions that make you stop doing it. Yeah, I used to smoke a long, long time ago for a very short period of time, and it was incredibly hard to stop. And from what I understand about these e-cigs, it is far more nicotine. Maybe it doesn't have smoke, but you are having a mega dose of nicotine, which would make it incredibly difficult to stop. One pot of a jewel is an entire pack of cigarettes, nicotine consumption. Yeah. Oh, and I have buddies that can go through that in a night, right? But in the same way, you can you can go through a pack of smokes in a night, but you're not you're not gonna feel it the same way with the jewel. It doesn't hit as hard. It's not, but there's still all those chemicals in the nicotine. It's it's you know. But now we're getting off track here, talking about uh talking about e-cigarettes. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess my question here, it looks as though from listening to the show a little bit, it's a different take. You're not WBZ. You're not WRKO. You're trying to super serve the local market, central Massachusetts, eastern Massachusetts. It's it, it's a different flair. You can't really be a bomb bomb thrower. No. Cool. Do you want to take it from here, John? Yeah. Um, let's move on to the how where, where I guess I come into the picture with the with the Kirk situation. Um Obviously, you know, you and I both know the activists and the whole situation that transpired. Can you just start us off, you know, saying with, with how, how you know him, how he even came into your life? Because, you know, I'm sure a lot of people know, you know, the story of how it started with the station at WEI. But from your perspective, John, what was the first time that you came to uh, in, into contact with, with the activist? This is where, you know, you've got to buckle your seatbelt because this is where the ride gets a little bumpy. But uh, I'm the chairman of the Board of Health in Ashland and have been for quite some time. And we have a health agent in Ashland by the name of Mark Oram, who happens to also be a city councilor in the city of Marlboro. Mark Oram has been the health agent in Ashland for 30 years, and he also works part-time in the town of Sherborne, mm. where the activist resides in. And about four years ago, Mark Oram shut down a construction project that the activist was working on. Yeah, Abbey, uh, Abbey something, right? Abbey, Abbey Road. Abbey, Ro Abbey Road, right. And he shut it down because he didn't have the proper permits and the sewer permits to do it. And, and the activist went to a Board of Health meeting in Shorebourne, and it's all on videotape uh, because all public meetings are uh, broadcast for transparency. And Mark... Also, you know, the activist said that he was going to ruin Mark's effing life. He said that to him. Said it to him, and it was there, and it was in a public meeting, and people— And it's my understanding that he said this to other folks in the town as well, that this is something that, that, that had been said, that, 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 that is something that he had done before. Is that correct? Well, he actually then went and pulled papers and tried to get on the Sherborne Board of Health and get elected so he could get Mark fired. Ah. But thankfully, the people of Shoreborn saw through this and did not elect him to the Board of Health in Shoreborn. Mm -hmm. So I guess he must have thought, what's the next best thing beyond that? Because obviously we'll get into Judy Margulies later on, but um, you know we can get into your theory on that. So I'm sorry, you can continue. So, so he, he went and he tried to get elected. Then what happened next? He didn't get elected in Shoreborn, and he kind of went away for a while. You didn't hear anything about it. And then... And that's you, what he does too. He kind of like lies in wait, um, and, and you don't hear from him. And then he then he kind of springs back up when you least expect it. That's my understanding as well. Well, people have to understand he has resources that normal people can't understand. And it is my opinion that he doesn't do a lot of this uh, heavy lifting. I say he, you know, he has staff do it. Because how could anybody 
dedicate the time and effort that he does to harassing people, my words, uh, if he didn't have a staff, you know, to do it, to help him out with. So time goes by. I actually stepped down from the uh, Ashland Board of Health because I wanted to grow not only is All Politics Local a uh, radio show, it's also a TV show. And we were, we were growing it on the Verizon and Comcast networks, and I wanted to spend a little bit more time on it. And at that time, when I stepped away, a, a lady by the name of Judy Margulies joined the Ashland Board of Health. She came to town. Nobody knew who she was, really. But, you know, a, an attractive, friendly, when you first meet, you know, type person. You're like, okay, she claims to be a pharmacist. I'm going to run for the Ashland Board of Health. Okay, great, you know. It'd be great to have a pharmacist on a board of health. She comes to town, but nobody knows her. That's what I that was. That's what I heard as well. Like, she did. Did you? How does somebody just come to town and and get elected? I mean, what did what did she have to do? How does how does that happen? Well, like I said, she you know to to meet her first you know meeting. Okay, what a nice person. You know, she tells you she's a pharmacist. She goes to a couple uh, community forums, introduces herself to people, makes good first impression. And she wins in a landslide because, you know, being Board of Health isn't always the most contested race that there is. And she, and she uh, was able to get on the ballot and she was able to get enough votes and, and to win. And it seemed at first glance, too, because I was looking at her Twitter last night, seemed like you guys, you know, some some of the some of the policies, especially on the, the e-cigarettes and some of the marijuana stuff, seemed like you guys did have some common ground there. So maybe, you know, at first blush, she wasn't uh, somebody who was a, an arch enemy. Um, but but then I guess what what happened between her and Orm is what really interests me, because at some point things took a turn, correct? Well, you know, thank you for bringing that up. The day she got elected, she flipped a switch and showed her true colors. The day she got elected, it was obvious that she was there to get rid of Mark Orm. So now for somebody to come to town who has no ties to the town, why the day she got elected then would she, you know, target the health agent? So you start putting two and two together. And so I, I go and try to talk to her, you know, buy her a cup of coffee and say, hey, what, what's going on here? And the conversation comes up, well, that she's from Ohio. And I say, well, I'm from Ohio. What part of Ohio are you from? Mm-hmm. Immediately the conversation ceases. So I think oh. she, in my opinion, she threw out Ohio thinking well, a guy from Massachusetts won't know anybody from yeah. Ohio. Well, you know, I grew up in Cincinnati and Columbus, so I, I know Ohio pretty well. Uh, now, now so, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Where did she, did she buy a house? What did she do when she got like, did she, she just came in and, and purchased property? Did she moved to the area? How did that happen? She rented an apartment. And one of the things of being a longtime elected official in town, I know a lot of people and a lot of people talk to me and a lot of people, you know, have confidence in me. And I am told by more than one reliable source, multiple reliable sources, that her rent was paid for in full in cash up front. Okay. So so it could be that she had some money or it could be that, you know, maybe there were maybe that money was given to her. Who who knows? I see where you're taking this though. So mm-hmm. so what was her you talked about how she came to town, she gets the she gets the, the condo that's paid in full. What did she what was her contention for Orm? What did she say? You know, what was her accusation against him? From day one she was uh, rude and unprofessional to Orm. And then all of a sudden behold Mr. Activist from Shoreborn files a complaint with the IG, Investigative General with uh, Massachusetts. They fall under uh, purview of them for 
you know, public employees for towns and cities fall under their purview, and says that Orem was stealing time and money from the towns of Ashland and Sherborne. Double billing, yeah? Double billing. Yeah. Essentially was double billing. And so as soon as that case was filed with the IG's office, Margulies demanded that Orem be suspended while the investigation goes on. So let's 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 wrap let's put a bow on this now, I guess just to come full circle. So right now we've got uh, the activist who has said uh, that he's going to ruin this guy Orm's life. We've got uh, he tries to run for office in Sherborne and is not successful and then out of nowhere we get Judy Margulies comes to town, rent is paid in full and the second she takes office, she makes it her life's mission to basically undermine uh, Mark Orem, and uh, then we have this this uh, complaint file with the IG accusing him of, of, uh, of double billing. Are we correct so far? 100% correct. Okay, so what happened after that? Well, she became so unworkable with that a, a long time, I'll use the word legend in the town of Ashland, uh, by the name of Ed Hart, great, great man, uh, long uh, bloodline in the town said I just can't work with this lady anymore so he resigns people plead with me can you come back to the board of health which then required the board of selectmen to reappoint me because I had given up my seat but the board of health uh, I mean excuse me the board of selectmen reappoint me back to the board of health and put me back on the board and listen I, I'm all about process and, you know, doing things the right way. And if people disagree, I like people who disagree with me because I enjoy the banter back and forth. And more importantly, maybe I can learn something. I've never worked with any human being, any human being, more difficult to work with than Judy Margulies. To the if point I that you guys had to call the cops, the, right? the sun was out, oh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about We called the cops multiple times on her. Uh but, you know, if I told her the sun was out, she would say it was dark. If I said it was hot, she would say it was cold. It was just everything was contentious. And listen, if you're my worst enemy and you're being treated uh, unfairly, I'm going to support you because you're being treated unfairly. That's just the type of guy that I am. I'm far from perfect. Just ask my wife. But, you know, I don't believe in you. You, you treat people the way you want to be treated. And I didn't like the way that she was treating Orem at all. She was rude to him. She would yell at him and scream at him, make you know unreasonable demands. And then one day I get a phone call from the administrative assistant at town hall saying, the Shoreborn Police Department just called. One of, the, one of our members left their stuff at a coffee shop in Shoreborn. You know, was it you? I was like, why would I be in Shoreborn, you know, in the middle of a work day? Uh, leaving my stuff. So then I come to find out, and once again, as a long-time elected official, I know a lot of people. Uh, I know the Sherborne Chief of Police. The Sherborne Chief of Police, ex-wife, is married to a former Ashland selectman. Okay, make that connection right there. Yeah. So, but as a long-time, you know, as, a, as the chairman of the Metro West Growth Committee for many years and a long-time chairman of the Board of Selectmen, I know all the police chiefs in the Metro West area. So I start, you know, hey, you know, what about this? What about this? People start telling me, Judy and the activists, they're often at this coffee shop together. Really? Really? 
I was going to say, because that's the real question here. In order for this whole, you know, in order for your contention and, and your theory on this to work, there has to be some sort of connection between the two. And, you know, for, for anyone listening out there that might be, you know, starting to get their, their bullshit meters, uh, you know, <laughs> up at, at this point, uh, I, I, would, I would encourage you to go to um, the Metro West Daily News and read an article. I think there's an article titled A Midtown Dispute, Margulies Ties Called Into Question. And it raises this exact point of there uh, being a relationship that existed between the activist, who we all know, uh, and, and Margulies. So uh, there is, if in case anybody's wondering, you can just Google this stuff. This this stuff is already out there. Metro West Daily News. Uh, they, they you and, and John, you can you can attest to this. They this was like their uh, this is a big story for them. This was almost became a little tabloid thing with Mark Oram and, and the whole the whole ordeal. This became front page news uh, and actually became you know. In, this, in the realms of uh, local public meetings, I would often run into people and say, hey, I watched your meetings last night. What? You, you live in Wellesley. Why would you be watching a National Board of Health meeting? Because they became so contentious. And so, you know, I mean, it was front page news every Wednesday morning from a Tuesday night meeting. It would be front page news on mm-hmm. the, at the Metro West Daily News. Yep. And that's not bragging. It's actually complaining. Uh, so I questioned Margulies, no, already knowing the answers that, you know, she did have a relationship with the activists. And the activists even admitted in the Metro West Daily News that they did have a relationship. That's right. Together. He did say that, that they were that they were acquainted, I believe, or something like to that extent. He didn't come quite out and say that they were great friends, but he did say that they had they had a, uh, a, a an acquaintance uh, that they had known each other. She said she didn't have an acquaintance with him and never talked to him. And he admitted to another reporter that they did. So, I mean, why, why you know... It's, you know, I don't hang out with you guys, but I do know you, so, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a, but, so, so you, you fast forward with this, and then you, and she's just, you know, miserable to Orem, un, unwilling to work with him, unwilling to uh, agree with him, everything would turn into a fight. Long story short, the IG's office comes back and finds that, uh, Orem did not commit any infractions, that he wasn't stealing time from Shoreborn or Ashland. The IG actually came back and said that Shoreborn did a, a uh, not a great job with timekeeping, so they couldn't prove it. Mm-hmm. But listen, you know, I've known a lot of political figures over my years, and Mark Orem is by far one of the most trustworthy and honest people I know. I don't think most normal people could could pass an IG uh, investigation when somebody was looking at your timesheets. And I'm saying, were you five minutes late from coming back from work, or were you late on a snow day? They found nothing with Mark Oram. Wow. That's how clean his record was. I've got to imagine what Mark Oram in his in his day job, where he's, if I'm remembering correctly, an, an inspector. He's got to be fair and consistent regardless of who he's inspecting and whatever job it is, whatever development's being made. Because otherwise you're going to have, uh, you could point at him and say, hey, you, you favored this person, but not me. And we did the same thing. And never in 30 years has anybody ever questioned him on that. Yeah, and, and and that's the reality is that this took a this took a toll on him, from my understanding as well, right? He I think his quote was three years of total dismay, something like that. That was a quote from his lawyer, perhaps. Maybe that's what it was. That is correct. But you know, he has said multiple times, and when we finally discuss the IG's findings in public, because that's what we have to do, he did he did say that as well. He thanked my, myself and the rest of the board, you know, for sticking with him because it was three years of hell for him. Hmm. Um. 
now how is how is he doing now is he doing uh is is he still i know that in, in case anybody is, is wondering there was uh, you were going to be a guest on this podcast and my understanding is they were they were uh they were attempting um to get mark orham on the podcast i know that i think i believe that they did have they did sit down with with the, with the attorney for mark orham at one point um did how is he how is he faring now is he is he still dealing with this is this still something that that he's uh, struggling with today he he over the, over the uh, early part of this winter he had a couple procedures done. Uh, this the stress has taken toll on him. There's no denying that the stress has taken toll. I don't want to get you know for HIPAA reasons. I don't want to get into what his uh, medical conditions were, but it did take a physical toll on him. He hasn't been the same, and more importantly, with kids in college, he took a huge and I want to stress the word huge financial hit on this, mm-hmm. and the activist made this all up. And Margulies, in my opinion, in my words, in my reality of working with her, she played along and was, you know, was keeping this in the forefront. And it did. It impacted his health, and uh, he hasn't been the same. And more importantly, like I said, the financial hit to his pocket. Yeah. And, and he'll never get that thing. money back. He'll never get that money back. Yeah, and your reputation, too. Like the old adage, you go, like, where do you go to get your reputation back? I think that's the big thing is that if you're seeing on front page news, nobody's going to print on the front pages saying that he's found innocent. But, you know, the fact that there's a, there's an investigation opening up against him, that, that can become front page news. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, this is another question that, that I think people might be interested in. Have you ever met the activist? I have I have actually sat next to him at a Shoreborn Board of Health meeting. Yes, I have. But, I mean... You've never t- confronted him, though, correct? No, I've never confronted him. Have no. you attempted to confront him? Uh, I wouldn't use the word confront, uh, contact. Uh, when, you know, when I see, you know, what I know to be false allegations, mm-hmm. uh, I always want to get people's other side of the story and kind of figure out where they're coming from. So multiple attempts... Long before the WEEI and the Kirk Minahan uh, saga came to play, or yep. the All Politics is Local, I reached out to him just as you know, as a devoted uh, uh, elected official, saying, "Hey, can we, you know, can we talk? Can we meet about this?" Never returned phone call. Never returned email or anything. Yep, it's it's that's the case, right? It's like like with like any other bully. It's a, when you go confront them, uh, they 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 turtle and they and, and they they kind of run away. Um, when it comes to time to face the music, I feel like sometimes you might be easier to hide behind a computer and send emails than it is to actually have a face-to-face, uh, an, an honest discussion and dialogue with somebody. Um, so so you, you have not heard from him personally since, or has he still been um, contacting you? I think maybe it could be time to segue into uh, what happened when I came on the show with you guys and then how things ultimately ended up playing out at All Politics is Local. You want to uh, you know, maybe, maybe talk a little bit about that? Sure. Let's you know. Let's jump jump into that. I mean, because I don't I don't think we can leave the EEI piece out. Because like I said, Zarbano reached out to me. If this if this is a good time to talk about this, yeah. Uh, Kirk tweeted out on a Saturday only because I was working on that Saturday, and I saw Kirk tweet out something. Uh, he tweeted out the article about the activists and Margulies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said, well, how odd is this? Uh, like, why is Kirk Menahan tweeting this out? So, I don't know, 24 or 48 hours later, I'm hearing from Zarbano, and Zarbano is saying, hey, can you come and talk to us about this? How do you know the activist, and, you know, how is he wrecked havoc on, and, you know, I, full disclosure, I mean, I, this, what the activist did to my town, to my town's reputation, 
to a, a friend of mine and Mark Oram is totally unexcusable. And I really just wanted to get his side of the story because none of this makes, like I said, this doesn't make sense to normal people. And I remember telling that to, to Kirk and Zarbano in Zarbano's office, like, I'm not a crazy guy. I'm just a de- dedicated, devoted, you know, public servant who's got better things to do with my time than come in on a Monday morning and, you know, miss work and talk about an activist. But this guy needs, you know, he needs to be held accountable because you can't go around and ruin people's lives like this with false information. Hey, if Oren was guilty, I'd be the first guy to hold him accountable and, you know, say that he needed to go. But the guy was found completely innocent Mm -hmm. and never an an apology, never a, a courtesy phone call. Hey, I'm sorry, I've had my facts wrong. But, you know, the town incurred, you know, thousands of dollars in legal expenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, the town took a hit to its reputation. So I'm just, like, bewildered. So when Zarbano and Minahan wanted to talk about it, I'm like, sure, let's talk about it. Now, is this before the show started? Because I know you did a, some shows starting, I think, in late July or August. And that, I think that was before... Mark Hannon's balls was involved. Right, he did at least one there. Would, well, let me let me talk. That? Let me talk to you a little bit about that though, because uh, I went into EEI and taped the podcast that was since scrubbed. Mm-hmm. It never made the light of day, and it never made the light of day. Yet the activists found out about it. So how did the activists find out about it if it never made the light of day? I I certainly didn't tell anybody. So that's interesting. Some, was we were going to must have done, yeah. We were going to ask you why, in your opinion, why the podcast got scrubbed. So, are you saying that somebody tipped him off? Could be maybe someone inside the station. I mean, you're right. How would if this was not public knowledge? I, I you know, I didn't know about this until until uh, later on, where where I was tipped off about it. But uh, you, you raise a valid question. How how would he know that you had gone in? Um, I you know. I don't know, and I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about it. I got a call from the town clerk in Ashland when the activist put in a public records request that Turtle Boy ended up doing an article about, uh, put in a public records request for all of my correspondence with, uh, with Minahan, with Zarbano, with Jerry Callahan, uh, with Ken Laird, mm-hmm. and Chris Curtis. So if I didn't say anything to anybody, how did Murchison find out about the fact that I was in EEI? And then, more importantly, why would he then put in a public records request with my correspondence with all of those people? Isn't that odd? Yeah, and, and, and he, this, is, this is kind of his tactic for, for folks who don't know, is that this, this whole idea of the public records request, he kind of, he does, it, it, am, I, am I right, John, that he kind of does this just to make the town do all sorts of work, but then ultimately doesn't even come and pick them up, right? That he just kind of wastes people's time with that sort of thing? Yep, he, you know, he never comes and picks them up, or he just wants to put in the public records request. But when he did put in those public records requests, more importantly, and more where I got upset and, and leads us to where we're going to get to talk about all politics is local. Mm-hmm. Not only did he put in a public records request, which I'm fine with. I mean, that comes that's the territory that comes with a public official. Sure. Everything that you do, you know, all of my emails are public record. Anything I say in a public meeting is, is public record. That's fine. You know that. You sign up for it. But then all of a sudden I start getting phone calls from state senators, state reps, uh I, at, I'm no longer, but I'm still a member of Rotary. I was the president of the Charles River Rotary Club. I start getting uh, phone calls from the governing body of Rotary going, 
who is this activist? Why is he calling? Mm. Why, you know, why is he calling the governor of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts? Why is he calling senators on you? Why is the police chief of my town and another town calling me going, do you know this guy? Why does this guy not like you? So not only was he putting in public records requests, he was trying to turn up the pressure on me because I called him out in a public meeting, and then he caught wind that I was going to talk to uh, Kirk Menahan about it. Yep. So he, tr- he pri- quite obviously was trying to play politics with me and call you know, influential people so they would put pressure on me. And to, and to every one of them, they said, hey, just ignore this guy. Yep. This guy's a little off. He's a little, we know you. We know that you're a good guy. You know, just stay away from this guy. Yeah. My father-in-law has been in Rotary for, I don't know, 50 years. He's He's been a leader there. And he's told me tons of Rotary stories. I've never heard of anything like this. Yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And the interesting thing about all this is that when you have somebody that can throw their weight around and throw their money and power around, they also have ties to people that can move the needle and influence people. So we look at like the Kirk situation, for instance. What did uh, what did we come to find out the activists did with the Kirk situation? Well, in order to generate news and publicity and PR in his favor, partnered with Shirley Luong in, in, in an attempt to email advertisers and put out hit pieces for the station and for Kirk in general. And the interesting thing is is how kind of his tactics were happened to you in a microcosm um, and I'm talking specifically, John, about the article um, Voter, Ap- Voter Apathy Encourages Bully Featherston, uh, which was written by Judy Margulies, an opinion piece in the Metro, uh, in the Milford Daily News, uh, which is an op-ed from Margulies. Uh, it's kind of calling you into question, basically calling you a bully and saying that you spew lies. And it's pretty, it's some damning stuff here in this, this op-ed. So, I mean, what, what's your what's your take on that? I mean, it is interesting, right, that he he kind of employs these uh, these quasi uh, journalists and activists to do his bidding and, and write these hit pieces for you and for Kirk. It's it's just my opinion that Margie Lee was hired to be his pit bull, and uh, you know when I was made aware in the Milford Daily News that I was uh, uh, me and my cronies, I think is the exact quote from the. That you know that I am just a bully. Uh, anybody who knows me and knows me in public service knows that I only try to help. And, you know, and as like I said earlier, as a proud Republican who has to deal in the bluest of blue states, it has to be about my quality of my work. It can't be about my politics. And if Judy Margulies wants to write an op-ed page and uh, you know call me a bully. You know, I, I, all I can do is laugh. I think no. I think her word was a true bully with the passion of a Boy Scout. I think was her uh, was her was her wording for you there. So yeah, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. I've been called worse by better people, right? There you go. <laughs> I took you up on going to the Metro West and looking up some of these articles. So I brought up an article from 2017. So what happened to Judith Margulies as chairman? Well, she was so. Well, actually, the Ashland Town Manager actually banned her from having any contact with any public employee. So think about that. Wow. She became so abusive to the town hall staff that the town manager banned her from having any access. And the board began to see, I think, what I saw and the town manager saw, that she just was not there to work with anybody. She was just there, I don't want to say lie, but misrepresent almost every fact 
in try to taint them back to Orem to make Orem look bad. And when the IG's office came back and said Orem did nothing wrong, mm-hmm. she just she took it from level two to level ten. That uh, you know, she said that Orem forged her signature on permits. That's that's what I was going to bring up. I but I know that you also said that when she came to these meetings, she had almost seemed that she was reading from a script. Do you do you remember? Do you remember talking about that? That she was, uh, is that is that correct? That she would be reading from a script, or that she seemed like she was prepared for going into these meetings. Anybody can go back and look to the tapes. She would read word from word, prepared statements and prepared. Uh, you know, dialogue right from she. There was no original content. You know, coming for like we, you, you and I are talking right now. Sure. It was all prepared script. Yep. And she, I, to my words, she was a very good actress. That's that's fascinating. So now, what, is she gone now? Because I know that they called the police on her at some point, and I know that she stepped down. Right? She resigned. She did. Uh, well, a couple things. Uh, we ha- we removed her as chair. The majority of the board decided to remove her from the chair. We called the police twice on her. Uh, and we threatened to call the police on her one other time. Each time the police did come and respond. One time the police actually sat in the audience, and another time she left before the police could actually get there. So we removed her as chair. And once we removed her as chair, she stopped participating in the Board of Health meetings, and her term actually expired. Mm-hmm. And when her term expired, you know, we haven't heard much from her since at all. I ran into her at a, at a meeting a couple months afterwards about marijuana and vaping. But other than that, there's been no contact. I found this quote from Mary Mortensen to be interesting. The quote was, I'm tired of us looking like bad people. Yep. Yep. And she had a way of making good people look bad. She, she, Margulies drove away two great quality public servants because they just couldn't work with her. They just, they just couldn't work with her. And another one, a newer member who came on the board, uh, Dr. Estevitz, he came on thinking one thing, and then he was actually the deciding vote to remove her as the chair eventually. So everybody came to see what this was all about. So it seems to me that um, so this activist guy gets a um, kind of gets somebody in his sights, whether it's Orem or it's Minahan or now it's Callahan, and he kind of makes it his mission to uh, to take that person down. I mean, there are folks out there, and I've had you know uh, private conversations with people who um, who are who have said that uh, well, we can never know what his uh, what his motivations are. They're talking specifically about the the, the Kirk and Callahan thing because you know he obviously he has a, tra- a transgendered. Uh, child, uh, transgendered son. So obviously, you know, we, we don't know what it's like to be in that situation. Okay, I, I understand that. And I think it's a case, though, where you have to look at the pattern, right? I mean, if you want to if, if you want to go and protect your, your child and campaign for them, more power to you. That's awesome. Good for you. But it seems to me when we have a history of behavior that indicates that it's almost, you know, like this is a sport of, of finding somebody and, and, and trying to ruin their life and take them down. What's your, what are your thoughts on that, uh, John? Well, I, I think it's, it's, it's a great segue that how you mentioned it, it, it's a sport. Once again, I, I didn't let anybody know that I went to EI and do a podcast other than, you know, my family members. Uh, my sons were actually quite impressed. Like, you met Kirk Minahan? I mean, they, they were uh, actually they were more excited about that than Dad ever Dad ever did. So when we found out that Murchison put in a public records request, I reached out to Zarbano, and uh, Zarbano was actually golfing for the Jimmy. It was at a Jimmy Fun golfing event, and we we had talked about that. 
And about that same time, the political season came, uh, was getting heated up for United States Senate for a candidate to run against Elizabeth Warren. And Jeff Deal was backed by a pretty famous sportscaster by the name of John Dennis. That's right. John Dennis did a lot of work and taught, you know, Jeff Deal how to speak in public. And, you know, I'll say it. If you want to learn how to speak in public, there's no better source than John Dennis teaching you how to, you know, teach. So John Dennis came on All Politics is Local a couple times. And he co-hosted one show with me. And I think the activist was listening. So the activist probably, wait, wait a minute, said, wait a minute, John Dennis, the famous voice of the, you know, Dennis and Callahan and, and, and uh, Kirk and Callahan, you know, Featherston must be back in EEI. There must be something going on. Because all of a sudden again, police chief, Rotary, are getting phone calls from the activists saying how, about how awful of a person I am. Mm-hmm. And I was actually very hurt about it because, you know, you mentioned earlier that, you know, people in Rotary. Rotary is an international organization that cares about only one thing, helping people. And is it the truth? And is it beneficial to all, mm-hmm. you know? Service. So when I get a call from the, the acting governor of Rotary saying, who is this guy? He's, you know, harassing us. He's bugging us. I get a little taken back by it. I get very upset about it. You know, I mean, if you're, if you're calling a radio station and saying I'm a bad guy or you're writing an editorial in the paper, well, after 30 years of public service, you get a pretty thick skin. But when you go after a charitable cause like that and you start upsetting people, then I got mad. So I reached out to, believe it or not, uh, Chris Curtis and said, hey, listen, uh, you guys ran some uh, audio on uh, Kirk and Callahan talking about John Dennis's appearance. Can I use that on my program uh, to kind of like frame the conversation to talk about this? Because I was so fed up at this point. You know, I didn't, you know, the the podcast got scrubbed. I didn't really want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And then, I, you know, I said, this activist, he cannot affect Kirk Minahan because Kirk had already gone out on his mental health uh, uh, leave of absence. Mm -hmm. Orem was sick and affected by it. He was affecting, you know, friends of mine throughout Rotary and, and in politics, and so I just got fed up with it. I said, you know what? Enough is enough. The the Jimmy Fund telethon was coming up on uh, on EEI and on Nesson, and I said, you know what? This is a perfect time to talk about it. You know, the week before, let's talk about it. Let's expose what is going on with Kirk Minahan and Jerry Callahan. And I was just, I was you know just so fed up about it that I somebody had to talk about it because. EEI was kicking the can around and talking about it, yeah. but they were never willing to address it. No, so I think I, Jerry and Kirk put out that that kind of half-assed uh, podcast where they addressed it, but they didn't address it, um, and, oh. and they they couldn't do it live. They had to play it. It was a so it was a podcast that they aired live on the air, so management could approve it. And then I think you later on, that's when you did your first show on it. Am I right in that? That is correct. Yep. And I'm so you do the show with. I just want to take a step back with Dino. Dino at this time was, if, if you could get a soapbox and a megaphone anywhere where he had an audience, he was going to talk about Jeff Deal. This yep. had nothing, to clarify, this had nothing to do with the Kirk situation. This was just an opportunity for Dino to talk about his buddy Jeff Deal. Absolutely, 100%. Okay. And when Dino came on, all we did, we, we talked about Tom Brady uh, 
AOC because AOC had just come out onto the scene and <laughs> That's right. he referred to her as as dumb as a grape and I you know still still remember that to this. <laughs> we talked about Tom Brady AOC and Jeff Deal that's all we talked about we didn't talk about the activists we didn't talk about Kirk we certainly didn't talk about Jerry uh, we didn't talk about any of that and still to this day I haven't talked to Dino about any of that and and you you put out a a show where you've addressed this mm-hmm. um and I think you did, did you, didn't you do two weeks worth or did you do one show worth of it? We did one segment, we, you know, we, were, we would run seven to nine. We opened up one show in July, we talked about it. And then the next week we came back and did a later segment about it, you know, try in, in the eight o'clock hour. So we did two segments on it. We didn't do complete shows about yeah. it. We just did segments about and it. And then yeah. things mm-hmm. kind of got quiet until mm-hmm. the whole Kirk hiatus where, um, at first, everybody was supportive, and rightfully so. Kirk was, you know, Kirk had left for for mental health issues and, and severe depression. Um, and at some point, we, you know, we all were informed that obviously Kirk was ready to come back. He had a doctor's note. They said he had to provide a doctor's note to come back, so he provided the doctor's note, and he was not allowed to come back. And obviously, there's all sorts of reasons behind that. You can read, you know, my articles on your website, John. Um, you, you know, you can listen back to the, 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 uh, the shows that, that we did, but that's when I believe that's when I contacted you initially and we was like, Hey, like, let's, there's something going on here. And I was researching it on my own at that point. It is some backstory for everybody, but I was research, researching it on my own. And because I had heard rumors of, uh, you know, of, of, of this podcast and I was tipped off from somebody else, not from John, that there was a, that this podcast was taped. I, I contacted John. I was like, Hey, listen, this is something that nobody's talking about. Do you want to, do you want to look into this further? And that's, that's kind of how we started. So, so, uh, drunk Eric Curtis to answer your question. That's kind of how it really all started between uh, myself and, and John Featherston. Um, so let's talk, I, I do want to segue into this. Let's talk a little bit about what it was like when we were doing these shows behind the scenes. Obviously, people can go back and listen to the content and the, and the spots that we did when we we we, had, we broke news and and we had people. I mean, we had. I'm not sure if you remember, John. We had uh, Mutt and uh, Mutt and Curtis and and Reamer on the radio talking about how Mutt was listening to your show, to listening to us on the radio and Steve from Providence. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were making news. Um, what was going on behind the scenes this whole time, specifically in regards to the activist? Well, I think we got to back up just a half a step, though, John, sure. too, because, you know, as you know, and you're probably the only one who does know, that I, you know, when I agreed to work with you, mm-hmm. you know, I, I set up parameters. Like, you know, it's got to be 100% factual. Yes. We have to let the people know that what we're doing. So as you know, I reached out to Mark Hannon, the real Mark Hannon, mm-hmm. I reached out to Zarbano. We did. Of course, I reached out to Minahan, and I reached out to the activist as well. So I think, you know, people need to know that, you know. Yeah, and everything that we put out, we, we requested comment as well. We asked we asked Zarbano for comment. We asked everybody involved for comment, and we got nothing. And, 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 and I think the fact that nobody ever really addressed any of the pieces speaks to obviously speaks to their validity, that nobody's ever come out and tried to challenge and dispute them, what actually happened behind the scenes. It's almost to the point now where it's just accepted as fact. I mean, and it is, it is fact. We double-sourced everything. We triple-sourced things in some cases. Um, so yeah, that that's the, the you know it's not like we were just coming up with things out of thin air and then going on the radio with them. So that, that I'm glad that you wanted to emphasize that. And nothing seems to have not turned out to be fact from this as well. Yeah, nothing. You know, the the, what, the only response I got from somebody secondhand was saying that there you know that 
that um, that we we got most of it right. But I didn't. I to me, I was like, okay, well, what does that mean? I I pressed for details, and they said, oh, my source doesn't want to provide details at this time. And I'm like, okay, all right, whatever. I don't. If you're not going to give me the details of what most of it right is, then I, you know, I just think that you guys are kind of putting your head in the sand because no one actually came out and challenged it. I'm still stunned that the Chad Fins of the world and the other media writers had nothing during this time. It's fear. It, it's fear. You know, the, when I was in Zarbano's office, he asked me about the Margulies thing and said, why isn't this a bigger story? You know, you know, Metro West Daily News is, you know, it's a good paper. It's a respected paper. But why wasn't this Boston Globe? Why wasn't this, you know, Boston Herald? And he said, did any other media members talk to you about this? And I said, actually, you know, at the time, it was, it was Fox 25, now Boston 25. Mm -hmm. A reporter reached out to me and wanted to do a Margulies slash, you know, activist piece. And it was scrubbed. And I can only think that I know the activists contacted the Metro West Daily News. So once again, it's only my opinion and, you know, my reality. Did the activists contact other major media outlets and say, I'll go after your advertisers if... I can tell you for a fact he contacted DEI. That's why it was scrubbed. He did. He absolutely yep. contacted of DEI. Of course he uh, did. He contacted DEI. They got scared. Um, and, and that's when it was, when it was this scrubbed. Would In have fact, been they, a they accused, story. He, he accused, and this is, you know, this is, again, this is from, from my sources, from what I understand. Kirk called him twice and he, uh, from the second time he called him, he, he accused or, or allegedly accused, uh, Kirk of, uh, of harassment. Right. And this that's the obviously that's the move. Right. The move is where you have an opinion that you disagree with somebody and, and you know, you you accuse them of harassment or you accuse them of uh, of, of inciting violence through death threats on, on Twitter and things like that. That's the go to move. Um, it seems like that's that's the first thing in that playbook. Why wouldn't Shirley Lung or Brian McGorry from the Boston Globe return my phone calls? Well, because they're they're She's friends with him. They have a relationship. Exactly. As as exactly. as the esteemed stooge of all stooges, Dan Kennedy said, um, <laughs> "We all know him, right?" And they said, "I think his quote was the idea that he's a bad actor is laughable, or something to that extent, right?" And I, I would come back and say, somebody that sends emails basically trying to hint that Kirk is a pedophile, I think that's a little bit beyond the pale as well. That's a little reprehensible. So that that if that's not a bad actor, I don't know what is. Anyway. So, so that was going on behind the scenes, and John, you and I were doing shows when we were talking about this with John Kerwin. Um, and then what was going on for you guys, I guess, behind the scene, if you're ready to talk about that? Well, after your first appearance on All Politics is Local, that following Monday, I get a call from the station manager and go, who is this activist? And I'm like, oh, he called you, huh? And he said, not only did he call me, he emailed me. He emailed the owner of the station. He's all upset that you were talking about him. And I said to the station manager, I said, you know, uh, whose name is Chris? I said, Chris, I never mentioned his name. You know, I don't mention his name. Did I mention his name back earlier this summer? Yes, I did. But I, haven't, I didn't mention his name. And he said he was all upset about a tweet that I had sent out about Bob the Builder. What? And that he... he <laughs> uh and I said, you know, I said, with all honesty, I said, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't tweet out anything about Bob the Builder. And he claims, he claims, the activist claimed to, the, to my station manager that I sent out a tweet with the character Bob the Builder from the children's show. And I said, well, it, if I did, I don't remember doing it. And, I'm, you know, 
Uh, but I think it's, you know, if I did, that would be pretty good. So the station manager says to me, just do me a favor. You know, and quote unquote from the station manager, there's nobody on my station more or I've met that I trust more than you, John. So just keep doing what you're doing. I'm never going to tell you what to, to say, but be smart. Just don't mention them by name. Okay, I, I can do that. Yeah. The thing I was always I was always curious about was you're doing a you're doing a show on WCRN about a show on WEEI and were they okay with that? They were because what I was trying to do and you know I, I think John from Pennsylvania or AKA Mark Hannon's Ball did this wasn't about a pro EEI piece. Yeah. It was you know it was a pro you know support Kirk Minahan. Don't don't mistake it for a minute. But the point was is if they can do this to the most popular radio show in Boston, yes. the most popular uh, sports radio show in America, they can do it to a local politician show like mine. They can do this to anybody. And is that what is that the country that we're living in now? Is that you just because you don't like the content of somebody, you can ruin their lives? And I think that any of us in the media business, and that's why I'm surprised that it hasn't become a bigger media. It, if it can happen to to Kirk and Callahan, and it can happen to all politics is local. Why can't it happen to you know any other person who's on the air tomorrow morning? Well, to answer you your question, it has. Look at Kevin Hart; he's not hosting right. the Oscars. I mean, this happens all the time. Where you have all it takes is is a few advertisers to get nervous because they're getting enough emails and it sounds plausible, and then and then they start backing out and everybody panics. And it's 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 fear based. It's 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 exactly what Kirk talks about all the time, where um, you know be, being governed by fear. That's absolutely what it is. So so you're getting you. you your station manager is getting contacted from him. What happened next with all that? Well, like I said, he you know, said, hey, be smart. You know, don't talk about it. So I think in, the next week goes by. Maybe it's two weeks before we have you back on. Yep. John Kerwin, who was my co-host at the time, great guy, long time, also a longtime elected official. He says that, you know, hey, the way to get back to the activist, he names him by name is to go after his business, mm -hmm. go, you know, target him, go after his business. Well, when he did that, which I totally support and don't think that John Kerwin should have handled it any differently, and I applaud him for, you know, being so outspoken, that was it. It was the kiss of death for all politics is local on WCRN because then the activists then threatened lawsuits against us. Over what? Uh, On what grounds? I think I guess that's my question. What what could he what what could he have said as the as the reason that lost business or I mean like it's a, that he was going to target or you know target our advertisers and you know I've heard the irony numbers. though I mean think about the irony that's exactly what he's doing exactly exactly you know you know it's it's the hip it's the hypocrisy of all of this at the end of the day is what really, you know, and I'm not going to lie, I've lost sleep over it. It's the hypocrisy of this is, you know, hey, you know what? Do I listen to John Tesh on the radio? No, I don't. I turn it off, you know, keep going, mm -hmm. you know, I go, I go past it. Do I listen to uh, NPR all the time? No. If they're talking about a boring subject, I turn it off. Does that mean that I'm going to target their advertisers because they're talking about something that I don't agree with? Yeah. You know, Lauren and Wally, if they're, if they're talking about something that I don't like, you know, what do you do? You turn it off. Yeah. You know, you, ju you just keep going. So we're hearing you correctly that, that this a lot of this started, at least from the, the Kirk and Callahan perspective, with him contacting station advertisers and sponsors. And yet when John Kerwin, your co-host at the time, uh, says or simply just hints at the fact that we can, you know, if, if, if folks are unhappy, then they should contact his business partners. 
that was that was across the line for him. I, the, the fact that the fact that anyone can fail to see the blatant hypocrisy in that stance is is beyond me. I don't that that's 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 crazy. And I know didn't he continue to call? Didn't he t- talk for several hours with with uh, with state with the station? Didn't he continue to call behind the scenes even after that? Even after the station manager had told him that you know he had reached an agreement that hey listen we're going to take John and all politics is local off the air, which hey listen WCRN was very very good to me. I understand what they were doing. I understand you know and we will come back one day in a different form, bet, bigger and better. I, I am thoroughly convinced of that, and we'll talk a little, maybe a little bit about what we've got, what I've got going on. Absolutely, too. yeah. Feel free to plug that. That'd be great. But uh, uh. You know, even after that, he continued to call station management and say, you know, hey, you know, this isn't right. You know, Featherston still has, has stuff up on Twitter because, you know, once you once we posted some of your audio up on Twitter, he's taken offense to that. I did a long uh, segment uh, in the middle of the summer about the uh, EEI telethon and about how my opinion that Lung and uh, him were working against the Jimmy Fund, and I was very supportive of Jerry Callahan and his efforts of writing in the Pan Mass Challenge. Uh, he took great exception to that, and I think he's still upset to this day that it's still somewhere up on the Internet or up on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, But that's you know. your own Twitter. That's your own Twitter page. What does that have to do with WCRN? And at that point, you're not with them anymore. Correct. So Correct. what does that have to do with anything? Well, it goes beyond that, though, because he's he... just angry at the world. I mean, he is, you know, for whatever issues that he's dealing with. And, hey, you know, as you so eloquently said earlier, John, is, you know, we all feel for him. You know, he's got an issue that he's, you know, sensitive about. I'm sensitive. I'm a parent, too. I'm sensitive about, you know, anything, anything that affects the child. But this isn't about his kid anymore. This is about, you know, just ruining people's lives. Yeah, I, the, regardless of whether or not the intention itself was was good to begin with, that that's a topic for another day. You know, I honestly, you know, I don't even, I don't even want to get into the issue. Um, to me, I, you know, I'd rather just support folks like that, folks in the trans community. That's all fine. Do whatever you want. Want. That's fine by me. The issue for me comes down to the abuse of power and the ability of power and money and financial resources to silence opinions through coercion, through manipulation of media with hit pieces, to basically just mitigate and silence any voice and any opinion that you don't like. And to me, that is un-American. Now, he said when Kirk went on the radio with, uh, was it Sue O'Connell, where he went on the radio or on the uh, on, on TV and did an interview with her, um, when the activist sent in a, a letter to Sue, uh, he said that he was simply exercising his First Amendment right. So, I mean, that was a nice move by him, I guess, just to, to kind of turn it on his head where we're saying this is a violation of the First Amendment. He's saying, no, I'm just using my First Amendment right. I get that. I get that. But at the, at the end of the day, you know that that your ability and your your power and your resources has the has the ability to persuade people and manipulate people, right? It's one thing to be honest. It's another thing to take clips out of context and to frame things in a way that you know that you're manipulating people's agendas and people's fears, especially in a 2018, 2019 politically charged and politically correct environment, that you know the right buttons to hit and, and the right buttons to push that you're going to get people to run and cower and be and, and completely withdraw support. And that's what happened to you guys. Um, one thing, what, what, how did this affect uh, John Kerwin? I don't know. I, obviously, we, we could maybe have him on, and if you don't want to talk on his behalf, that's fine. But I was wondering if you could give us his kind of take on all this. Not only did the activists call the station 
The activist took it upon himself to call John Kerwin's Monday through Friday regular employer. Wow. And so John, and he can come on and talk about it himself a little bit, or maybe he can't or probably shouldn't, but he was called into the you know human resource office wow. and like, who is this activist? Why are you saying things about him? And, you know, it's typical with all of this. This guy, you know, frames himself as, you know, a respectable figure, and the human resource only hears one side of it and says, oh, my gosh, how can this be? How can this be? And then, you know, Kerwin gets pulled into the office, and he has to, you know, discuss it. And I think, you know, based on investigation, they did, you know, kudos to his employer for doing a fair and balanced uh, investigation. They kind of kind of pieced back together and said, they put everything together and said, hey, listen, don't go on the radio and talk about this guy anymore, but you can still keep your job. But he tried to get him fired, much as he's he's tried to get me fired from my regular job job as well. I would listen to this show, taking my dog for a walk on on the TuneIn app, and I am vaguely remembering what John Kerwin said when he said that, and it felt like, boy, that feels like he's turning it on its head a little bit. This is what the activist is doing. Well, we we can do what the activist is doing as well. And it felt incredibly tame. And on a Sunday morning, a lot of times what you have on is those public affairs shows, which are really stimulating. So (laughs) this is this is again, this is not really bomb throwing radio. This is issues oriented. And I don't know, it, it didn't it really didn't hit my brain too much when he said it. It's certainly what John said was not controversial at all. Uh, you know, he, he, like you guys are saying, it's just, it's hit him back, you know, he's going after their business, go back after their business. You know, and that's the one thing that I have to tell you that I was most impressed by Kirk Minahan. And I'm not, I'm not friends with Kirk at all. I mean, I, I respect his talent. I respect his on-air personality. We, we talk, you know, very rarely, ever, you know, through text. You know, I've never hung out with Kirk Manan. Hmm. But the one thing that I was really struck about Kirk was when we first started planning the podcast and then subsequent conversations afterwards, is his care and concern for the staff at EEI. Kirk had a contract, and I think he still has an iron contract. Mm -hmm. Right. But when the activist affects, we're not talking you know, hundreds of dollars. We're not talking thousands millions. of dollars. I've heard rumors of millions of dollars. I've heard the same thing. Yep. Rumors of millions. And I've heard that from management there. Who does that affect? That affects producers, people working in the sales department, people working out front in the media department, the street team. Mm-hmm. When that revenue's not coming in, Kirk still gets his paycheck and goes on the air, but other people lose their jobs because of this. And I don't think that's fair. And I was very impressed by how Kirk was so sensitive to that. These salespeople who work in radio are mostly commission. So if they get a really good account, that's their paycheck. And they're they're going from month to month meeting a quota. And if they've got a really good client, that could be a good commission. And if they pull out right away, there could be a chargeback on that, which means they'll pull back some of that money. That's really hurtful to somebody who's going from advertiser to advertiser month to month. Yeah, and and, and the thing with it with 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 folks like this, honestly, I understand that it can be a sensitive issue, but it's never enough, right? You're never ever ever going to appease somebody like this. And this kind of can segue into the next thing. And, and John, we can circle back on anything that you want after mm-hmm. this, but. 
I'm not sure if you're aware, but I was actually tipped off a couple days ago, and I tweeted this out, that he has not stopped. That now he's going after Callahan, and he hates Callahan, apparently. It's almost like, you know, first they come for Kirk, and I didn't speak out because I wasn't Kirk. Then they come for Jerry, and I didn't speak out because I wasn't Jerry. And then they came for me, but there's no one to speak for me, right? It's like, that's I feel like Mutt's going to be the last guy there. And then and then once he, if he successfully, hopefully he isn't, but if he successfully gets Mutt or uh, Callahan off the air, then it's just Mutt. Right, we're just left with the mutton and uh, Wiggy show. It's it, it it's crazy because nobody, you and I, we talked about this. We didn't think he would stop with Kirk. We no. we knew that he would continue. So we were we were tipped off that he's now sending emails, um, specifically saying to the to the extent of that that we're we're our, you know. Uh, I anticipate your company affirms the dignity of folks in the community, and we're we're you know. I'm writing because of your support of Jerry Callahan. He's now calling out Callahan for a joke that he made um, on the show. It's pretty. It's pretty remarkable. If if anybody out there has done as much for kids with cancer as Jerry Callahan has done, you know, I I don't know who they are. You, I mean, if you don't agree with Jerry Callahan's political stance or you don't agree with Jerry Callahan's humor, okay, that's fine. Turn off the radio. But you cannot convince me a man who has devoted his life to helping children with cancer deserves to be treated like this. You know, who has also had cancer, and as an also had cancer as well too. So as far as I'm concerned, you know, if it's going to go after Jerry Callahan and try to attack his character, this might be the time he finally loses. Hopefully, I mean that that's the thing, and I'm always interested. I'd love to get Dino's perspective on what he would have done. I'm sure that he's talked, he's tweeted about it in the past. I feel like he would have gone even. uh, I feel like there's no way he would have he he would have respected any management orders. I feel like he would have gone and and done something. I asked Dino. I asked Dino straight up. I got I got into a conversation with him, and he he said he he's moved past it. He doesn't want to he doesn't want to come on and talk about WEEI. But I still have hope that the fact that he answered me means that there's a door open. But yeah, I'd love to hear what Dino would have done in this situation. I've 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 had some off the record conversations with Dino about this, and Dino is no fan of the activists. Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. Anything else that you want to get to, John? I, I know that we can we can, we've gone a little long here. Do you, is there anything that you want to that you want to circle back to, or is there anything you want to plug about maybe the future of of all politics is local? Well, you know, first I just want to compliment you guys for taking on this issue because this issue isn't about John Featherston. This issue isn't about all politics is local. This is about you know freedom free, freedom of speech in this country. You know, it, it's it's so much of a bigger issue. And, and to your quote earlier, you know. If they can go after, you know, Kirk and they can go after Jerry and they eventually go after Mutt, what's going to be left? And not only do the salespeople suffer, not only do the front office staff suffer, more importantly, have you listened to your morning radio lately, people? There's not a lot of good choices, and it's only going to get worse if this type of behavior is allowed to continue. I mean, it's... you Once know. he takes down WEEI, he'll go after Felger and Maz, and then it'll be mm-hmm. Toucher and Rich and whoever's out there because those guys, somebody will say something stupid. Whenever you have an open mic, if you're trying to be entertaining, you'll get to the line every once in a while, but it will be somebody else. Yeah, and at this point, it's become more of a vendetta because it was never really about the, 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 the trans issue because now, if you read the emails now, uh, and maybe I'm not, I don't want to put words in this guy's mouth. Maybe it was initially about the transition. I'm sure that's, and that's fine. But now he's talking about um, a joke. The, the most recent example is that Callahan made a joke about um, 
that that there's a joke about some guy that could do like cheap I guess somebody was performing plastic surgery or something during headlines and it was like unauthorized plastic surgery and Callahan made a joke about you know if your wife is interested I know a, uh, I, I know a guy around the corner a Vietnamese guy he does breast implants cheap cash only does breast implants abortion and eye surgery and go he washes his utensils almost every day <laughs> and I mean, it's, it's a funny joke he's just he's funny I don't understand you know like everybody laughed Kirk, uh, Kirk was still there at the time. He 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 laughed too. I think he said, you know, yeah, I've seen it. I've seen him do all three at once, or something to that extent. And and you know they, but that's that is his example now. I think now he's saying the stereotyped implication of Vietnamese doctors are greedy, uh, as greedy, ill-trained, and dirty, uh, and lethal is beyond any measure of decency. So I started looking looking it up, and I couldn't find. Um, uh, a big history of what he's talking about. It's it's not like these guys were coming out and in, in, you know, uh, in in blackface like half of Virginia politicians are doing right now. Um, you know, he 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 made a joke and he could have picked any nationality. He just I think Jerry just off the cuff just said something and um. And it could have been the homeless guy with a beard on the corner. Yeah, I know a homeless guy around the beard with a, with the beard. Yeah, it doesn't have to be anything. He just picked anybody. Um, and and that's that. So you know, again. He then he has a whole list of stuff that he gets into, and he has. But but the the funny thing is, is as I read through this, there is only he only has he's got about ten. I mean, uh, uh, DEC, you've read these. I mean, there's only one thing that he called out in a long list of of incidents that had to do with any trans issue. So he he's he's obviously clearly moved beyond that now to the point where he's now picking anything possible um to send out to advertisers. And this was this I mean this was sent on on February 7th, a couple days ago. Yeah, there's there's uh there's notes in here that are well after Kirk is Kirk is gone. So it's not a Kirk thing anymore. It's it's it feels as though in my opinion it feels as though this is just a power trip of I've gotten this far what else can I accomplish? Yeah. Anybody who sits behind a microphone for an extended period of time is going to misspeak at one point over their career. And it's not racist. It's not bigoted. It's just, you know, you say stupid things because you say stupid things. You know, we all have friends. We all have spouses. They have, they say stupid things as well, too. You don't, but you've got to take it as that is just one thing. And my question is, there are worse things being said on radio today in boston than anything that jerry callahan just said and and that quite obviously of a joke why is he not targeting them Mm. why is he not targeting why wasn't you know back back in the days you know imus in the morning you know who dino and uh, callahan replaced on eei i you know I'm a big fan of Imus. You know, when Imus was on, he said a lot worse things than anybody's ever said. Oh, absolutely. You know, recently. So why wasn't he t- uh, targeting them? You know, I know there was a misspeak over on 98.5 last week with a inappropriate use of a word. Why is he not targeting them? Yeah. You know, what is the motive here? We, we, we uncovered, uh, you know, sound uh, from years past with from Fred Toucher joking about sexual assault of an unconscious uh, drunk girl. You know, I mean, there's all there's all sorts of stuff, but for for whatever the reason, this is just something that he decided to sink his teeth into, and as he's made it his pet project to take them down. Um, and and uh, did you want to talk, uh, talk about what you guys are doing at All Politics Is Local before we before we let you go, John? Well, right now we're t- we're taking a little pause on All Politics Is Local. I mean, I'm still doing the TV version in the Metro West area and the Worcester area. We're still doing we do a uh, twice a month. Uh, you know, we just do it political uh, discussion 
on uh, the Charter and Verizon cables. But we're actually, I'm actually starting a new what we call variety show as well. We're going to do it on Facebook Live and YouTube and uh, also in the Metro West and Worcester County areas on Charter and Comcast cable called Good Night. It's going to be a live variety show uh, kicking off. We're going to do live bands and comedians. So I'm going to devote about 90 days of getting that up and running and doing that, and then hopefully we'll bring back all politics as local back to the radio over the summer. Great. This is amazing with the technology now, and this is the purpose that we started doing this podcast, that and having a place to do fart jokes. <laughs> but there was there was a gap here where nobody was talking about Kirk, and we kind of took it upon ourselves to say, well, nobody's going to do it. we got a computer. We've got a mic. Why don't we do something? Yeah. So it's just awesome that you can do something on YouTube, and that if you can't, if this was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you'd be totally silenced. But if you if you plug... Plug the hole somewhere else. The the water is going to come out twice twice as hard. And I think that's the thing that he doesn't understand is that with the wave of new media, you don't need sponsors. You don't need you don't need advertisers. You don't need any of that. Um, and you don't even need the old platforms anymore. The old terrestrial radio. You can go to internet radio. You can go to YouTube and live stream. I mean those the, those old platforms now. I mean they're still they're still reigning supreme. But I think that you know give it give it ten years and we'll see. We'll see what, what, what the technology is now. And that's why I'm excited for what Kirk is doing at Radio.com because he's, he, he's not going to be on terrestrial radio. He's going to have a lot more freedom. Um, did we want to get to any – oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, in, just with the invention of Apple CarPlay and, and issues like that, terrestrial radio – and I'm a big fan of terrestrial radio and I want to get back on terrestrial radio. But the podcast is where it's going to be because it's so easy now in your car, modern technology, to access that technology. Mm -hmm. It's just as simple as it used to be just turning on, turning on the radio. Yep. Um, did, is there any questions that we wanted to get to or are we uh, completely out of time? Uh, we had a couple of voicemails, but they just they just don't fit the, the <laughs> they're just voicemails with grab ass and it just doesn't feel yeah. like it fits the format today. Anything on Twitter? I, I've just... We don't want to accept the activists. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I went and uh, got rid of a few people today because of that. I, I had one question from Lauren Lynn, who had a good one that we might have answered this already. She wanted to know if, if a neutral person right now would ask the activists, what is your primary goal in writing all the emails, et cetera? What, uh, do, why do you want someone to lose their job? How do you think he would rationalize his actions? That's that's a very good question by by her. That is a very good question. But I just see it. My reality, my perception is my reality. He's just angry, and the only way that he feels that he can process his anger is if he inflicts that same type of pain that he's feeling onto somebody else. And I actually, and I've actually come full circle on this. When you attack my friends, you know, you you become my enemy. But I have seen such patterns now. Where I actually, you know, think we we got to help this guy. We, I agree. We really do. We really have to help this guy because I don't want anybody to be in life to be as angry as that I envision him being. You know, there's more to life. <laughs> I learned a real trick that when somebody irritates me or I have a resentment, I have learned a trick that I that I pray for them and say I want for I want for them the happiness I want for me, and. God is my witness. That works if you do it enough. And <laughs> just listening to this interview, I just, I feel bad for him at the end. I, I came in really being angry and like, wow, I feel bad for this unhappy person. I really hope he gets the happiness I want for myself. 
Yeah, I mean that the, you you guys are you guys are saints usually compared to what to what uh, to what I would say. But I mean, oh, you're a lunatic. Yeah, I am a that's lunatic. Okay. I, that's 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 well known. Um, but I mean, I, at the end of the day, I don't. Again, I, this to me is not about. I I have no issue with the guy defending his kid. To me, the issue comes down to to what do you want to do about it, right? So you know, I I, I want to be I'm a, I, I want to be a guy that focuses on solutions and action, right? Let's not just sit and moan and complain and contact people. Let's figure this out what can we do to come to a resolution to move past this and put it to bed at the end of the day you're right it's fun to bitch and moan and be angry for me you know and it's fun it makes good radio too uh, to 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 complain about things and be angry that does that is a good shtick i guess you could call it on the radio but ultimately if you're going to live your life angry like that you're right there's no there's no real fruit to it it's not going to actually come to anything uh, that's beneficial for anybody so what bothers me is that when we find out that he sat down, he had a private meeting with Kirk and with Jerry, and and he he they, he they said, "What do you want?" And he wasn't able to come up with an answer for it. Right? The, the only thing that he wanted them to do was sign a piece of paper vowing that they would never once again talk about trans issues before, and they didn't sign the paper. And and I you know even if they did sign the paper, um, you know who's to say that he would stop? Um, and and that that I think to me is the issue is that it doesn't even seem like. You know he, that he's even doing it for that reason anymore. But ultimately, I think that you guys are right. I think that it's, it's you've got to figure out a way to move past it because you know it doesn't do anybody good to continue to dwell on it. I was told that they actually produced a PSA about it as well, too. Oh yeah, they were going to they they, they were going to do a PSA. They were going to have uh, I believe there there was talks about having the mother of the uh, uh, of the. If you guys remember, this all started with that article yep. about the the, the was it, uh, you know either four four to seven in that range, uh, where it was a, a trans child that was uh, that they were considering giving. Uh, people have blown it up now and said that it was an operation. I believe it was just um, hormone. There was a discussion of hormone replacement therapy, right? So they weren't actually talking about any sexual reassignment surgery. They were talking about hormone replacement therapy. And there was a whole ethical discussion about, you know, is that appropriate for a four-year-old, right? And But, here, you know, not to get into the issue, but just simply saying that, that that you would have a issue with it morally is not bigoted. And And, and yes, Jerry went to the extreme, right? He was but it was hype it was hyperbole, right? I mean, Jerry said that he likened it to child abuse at the beginning because that was his way of making his point of being it was a polemical point, an extreme point because he's doing radio, right? I mean, that And it's his old man character that Jerry Callahan plays. And I think that you would expect him to say that way. Yeah, you know, they they they've talked about this too where you are doing a show and you are ha- you do have to be entertaining at the end of the day. Now, you can debate the ethics of it all you want, but simply calling it into question is not hate speech. And I think that's the issue here is that if you're going to silence somebody because they call that into question and then later on come to a, a situation where they say, "Hey, listen, I I, I have no, no ill will for you or your family. We we're willing to do PSAs, we're willing to partner uh, for trans rights and things like that, whatever we can do to move past this. And then when that's still not enough, that's, that's to me, that's where this moves from a place of a parent genuinely going out and trying to do something to fight for a cause to just could be, you know, in my opinion, vindictive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this has been, this has been fantastic. I've been looking forward to this all day and this really exceeds my, my expectations. John, you're a really good guy. I can't understand why he's after you. You just seem like a decent person. Well, you know, like I said, just 
treat people the way you want to be treated. And, you know, hopefully maybe, you know, because you know he's going to be listening to this. Maybe he, you know, we can finally get through to him and maybe we can mm-hmm. offer him some help and uh, try to help him and out. And that's another thing I wanted to say. And I, I'm actually going to, we'll, we'll say something at the beginning too in, in post. But, um, you know, we, and I think that I'm speaking for everyone here, we would all completely 100% disavow any negative tweets directed towards him or, or his son, especially. This was not, I mean, I know there are theories out there that his son is behind this. Me, personally, in my opinion, I, I, I completely disagree with all of that. I think that this is, you know, it, it could be the fact that it could have been based out of there, but I don't think that, that his son is orchestrating this, as some people think. I know that Turtle Boy kind of thought that. I'm not, I'm not on that train. And people can give me flack for it. That's fine. We, uh, personally, and I think all of you guys would agree, we all disavow any any tweets that are harassing or, or, or any tweets that are transphobic or anything like that directed towards him, any hate speech. We are not about that I feel like we've been pretty fair and equitable and respectable in this. So, you know, anybody trying to say that we incited violence or death threats, clearly that was never our intention. We were just trying to present no. the facts. No, and I, no, look I, at, I, I look at the activist son and for the activist son to do what he did is is courageous because this is not something we talk about two years, five years, ten years ago. And the fact that we've had discussions like with the bathroom situation it's got it's caused people to have a conversation and look at somebody differently and say wow that i never thought of it that way i can understand your point of view well i I really appreciate you guys kind of ending with this this segment because you know free speech is not free you have to fight for it every day, and you have to defend it every day. But for us to really win this battle against, you know, the naysayers, we have to do it with class, and we have to do it with an integrity. Mm-hmm. So, and if we, if we bring it back down into the mud, we're no better than he is. Yeah. So, sorry to our listeners. We'll go back to being wacky and crazy and and <laughs> and ridiculous next week. We'll go back and and go back to our old ways. We wanted just to be kind of above board on this one, and uh, and give you just the facts, and give you you know kind of a a, a straight interview. Um, that way folks can make their own opinions. And again, guys, you know, let's let's try and be better than um, than than the folks online that would characterize Minahan's fans or Kirk and Callahan's fans as a bunch of hateful online trolls. Let's try and be better than that. Obviously, we can voice disagreements and, and our opinions. That's fine. But let's just try and keep it above board so that we're not going to, you know, make ourselves just as bad as anybody else. Mm-hmm. I agree. Hey, hey do, on the closing, do you guys see I ran into blind Mike at the Super Bowl? Round? I did. I saw that. I saw that. Uh, you know, and and then I saw him at the uh, truck day. So you know, good job, Blind Mike. Keep it up and uh, go, Kirkman. I know. Yeah, you saw him, but he didn't see you. That's the thing. <laughs> that should be his slogan. You know, I forgot that he was blind. So uh, when I ran into him at the rally, it took it took a minute. So yeah, he he uh, he always says that he's like he's he's like you know seventy five percent of the people that say hi to me, I have no idea who they even are. He's always just oh hey buddy, what's up man? <laughs> so but I think that you talked to him for a good bit. So I think that you guys. Uh, that's cool that you got to, to, to hang out with him. Hopefully uh, his show is going to continue to take off, and hopefully there's big things coming for him soon. Uh, the hope is that he gets a, gets a spot on the Menahan show, but we'll, we'll, we'll definitely, we'll definitely uh, keep our well, fingers crossed. That would be great. Yep. That would be great. Yeah. I'm looking forward to Kirk Menahan's podcast dropping, though. Yeah, yeah. We'll, uh, yeah me too. I'm, I'm excited about it. Hopefully I, I, I know that now, guys, we are only a mere 39 years away of the debut of the show. <laughs> Because uh, Kirk, I'm not sure if anybody saw here, Kirk recently changed his bio from uh, 3419 to 342059 or 2058, which would be so 39 years away. Um, so I guess that must be a sign that things are taking a little longer than expected and a couple bumps in the road. 
But, you know, people say, e, you know, the morning show on EI isn't what it was, and maybe it isn't, and it's my opinion that it's not. Mm-hmm. But Jerry Callahan deserves to be in the Radio Hall of Fame. So. Oh, yeah, beyond oh, a doubt. Oh, absolutely. Beyond a doubt. Yeah. So. yeah, even if he is Judas Callahan. <laughs> <laughs> Old man character. There you go. Yep. All right. Well, thanks, John. I appreciate you coming on here, man. We'll yeah. get hey, you guys again. are great. Keep up the great work. I enjoy yeah, listening to your cast and keep it up. All right. Thanks, man.